this is not just content is king it's audience and content they're the kings and the queens it can't just be one way because your podcast can actually as entertaining as possible but if your audience isn't getting anything away from it it won't really sell or it won't really get the numbers that you need Welcome to Adulting with Joyce Spring, the how-tos of your 20s told by 20-something, traversing through life expectantly and with gusto. I got a question for you. Have you ever wanted to create your own podcast or your own show? Probably something like this? Well, if so, you should definitely check out Spring Studios Philippines. They are the first virtual production studio in Asia, and they empower the world of digital creatives by producing, editing, and distributing podcasts throughout the world. Check them out at www.springstudios.co. Welcome to another episode of Adulting with Joy Spring. And today's very, very special because I think I think maybe this is the first cross-podcast collaboration that I'll be doing. And it's with someone who's an entrepreneur that's created several startup businesses. He's the CEO and founder of Podcast Network Asia and the host of the number one business podcast in the Philippines, Hustle Share. He comes by the name Ronster Bait Young. Welcome to Adulting with Joy Spring, Ron. I am still in awe. I don't even know. <laughs> Goosebumps when you said that. And again, I don't know who came up with that number one because I think uh, you are number one, not just in the business category. And I mean, you guys, it's you, Boiling Waters, and then Inca just put us all to sleep all of a sudden. We're all sleeping. I know. Right? Because of yeah. Inca. I mean, I feel like with Inca naman kasi... Wala talaga eh. Wala kang, wala kang laban sa boses ni Inka. I mean, if you listen to that girl, even if you're just... So Inka and I would usually hang out in the fire exit when I was working in magic. And, you know, if you're just talking to her, it's like you're being hypnotized Correct. because of just her presence and her voice. But, I mean, for you also, Ron, I used to always see Hustle Share in the top charts, of course, until now. But I thought, honestly, I thought it was an international show. No way. I'm serious because of the content, you know, it's I think it's very innovative. The sound and the quality of it is really great. So I'm I'm happy that you're here with us today. Again, goosebumps. <laughs> and again, I promise Joyce that I will not cuss in her show, just like how I do in my show. So Yes, thank forward. you. <laughs> Thank you, Ron. You know, I was listening to an episode of Hustle Share recently, and I actually went to listen to your birthday episode, wherein wow. your fiance, uh, well, basically, she set you up thinking that you were going to do a sales, a cold sales call, yes. but they ended up doing a Hustle Share podcast on your personal hustle. And I have to say that we kind of have the same background. Did you know that I was also getting into a lot of trouble in school? I also worked in a call center when I was 17 years old mm. while I was studying in UP, but as a copywriter. Okay. And I think my favorite part of that episode is you talking about your why. And you mentioned one of my favorite authors, Simon Sinek. Yeah. So tell us more about that. Where did you start, Ron? For those people who, who don't yet know or who aren't very familiar with your work, how did you start and how did you find your why? Okay, the why started out uh, very young. I mean, um, I was raised by a single mom. I've always wanted to pay it forward to to her, I was an only child too. So just me, uh, her, and my grandma, who again uh, is now in heaven. So uh, those are my wives per se. And growing up, I saw how she struggled uh, to make put make ends meet, put me into a 
very good education, which again, I give her credits for because that defines the opportunities that we're also going to get right. Long story short, the why is simple. We've never had a house. Uh, we've always been renting. So I said, all right, I want to buy my mom a house. It's clear as day. That was the mo- the only why I wanted to use. It's all for her, right? And then uh, the short story, I'm going to basically, I chose, I worked early, 18 years old. I worked in a call center. Hence the accent. I don't sound like this on a normal day um, <laughs> because I knew I needed to give myself an edge uh, based, based on the the looks itself or whatnot, I know I'm not going to thrive in that because I wasn't blessed in that way. So I had to be eloquent at least in how I communicate. And then when I did the call center, I realized I'm not going to be able to achieve that why in this path. And again, not berating anything. It's just that I needed to get there fast because time is ticking. Yeah. I wanted to hustle. So I chose the path of entrepreneurship and I put up two startups. First one was called Party File. That's how I did that for a good six, seven years and whatnot. That grew to become the biggest nightlife app in Asia. And then it failed I lost everything so that was crushing in, in uh, to say the least and then luckily after a few months like half a year trying to discover and make ends meet again I put up another startup called Chatbot PH which after 12 months I put it up I got acquired I was like wow okay so now there's contrast and then I started asking myself so how do I pay it forward because that's always something that my mentor taught me from day one which I'm very blessed to have that mentality but got, getting it from him because if I was seated mm-hmm. with the wrong mentality I'd be I probably would have ended up selling so yeah. that's probably the origin of hustle share saying okay this is an avenue for me to pay it forward to startup founders who are going through the grind the same way I did and I'm doing something that I needed when I was uh, in their shoes mm. I love that story and um, I heard that you were mentored by Joji Azurin yes. right? and I actually got to do an event with Sir Joji for a company because he had recently survived COVID-19 and it was just so amazing everything that he talked about being a startup business and and I guess that kind of mindset really changes everything right even in his personal life but I wanted to know for a lot of entrepreneurs out there the main thing that we constantly have to deal with is failure and with Partyfile you built up this startup company that had amassed around 120,000 mobile users for the app throughout those years seven years of your life dedicated to that how did you pick up yourself to eventually become the success of Chatbox before everything? Okay, so I didn't have the answer actually, but a friend helped me turn the page. Just um, I, I actually called it startup purgatory. It's like you're you're not in <laughs> control anymore, and you're just waiting for someone to pray for you to, to save your soul per se. Um, <laughs> uh, as in the last few weeks of Party File, I did, I, I ran out of moves. You know, I don't have money. I don't have a team. The nightlife scene was dead because of close up forever summer. Mm happening in 2016 which unluckily one of the five people that passed away during that night was my co-founder and an investor as well which was supposed to fund us oh my gosh yeah that's crazy and we only had two months of runway technically so without him we had to really close down during that phase I was just you know I was I was super stressed. I didn't know what to do. And my investor through Kickstart Ventures and a good friend named Alex Alabiso said, just write it down, Ron. Write down what you want to say. I have no intentions of writing it in public, but I put it up in Medium. I didn't share it. So I wrote down all the lessons that I learned that, okay, this is it. I'm really burying the hatchet. This is the tombstone, right? Yeah. I was crying the whole time when I was writing. Right? So it's the article is called Lessons from Startup Purgatory, 13 Lessons I Learned from a Failed Startup. And then for some reason, it went viral. Somebody picked 
picked it up. It even made it to the list of like the worst list you want to be part of, uh, which is the, <laughs> the startups that died that year. Like, no. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it was really messed up. But what's so empowering is that uh, a lot of people read it and then they said that, hey, you, you're, what you did was brave. That I wish <laughs> I had the, the balls to actually do what you did. So that was empowering. Like, okay, so now that's behind me. I can start picking up the pieces and applying what I messed up on. So I have a playbook now of not what to do, but not what to do. So, because mm. <laughs> I've pretty much failed in whatever uh, way you can uh, imaginable in a startup. Yeah. How do you garner that kind of bravery to try new things? And and I remember listening to your podcast, and you mentioned that you know you like to do things that have never been done before. You know, come up with innovative ideas. How do you find that kind of bravery? Because I feel like uh, my husband also is an entrepreneur, and he would always say that the number one thing that an entrepreneur should have is a mindset of innovation. But the thing is, for you to be innovative, you have to be brave. And I feel like for you, you balanced it both off in that you had a you had a financial goal, let's say, right? Because you wanted to put together a house for your mom. But at the same time, you were ballsy enough to try these new things, like what you said. Hindi ka marunong mag English in the way that you spoke English in a call center, but eventually you learned it. You had no idea what to do with this party file and and all of these things. Where do you get that kind of ballsiness and that grittiness? Uh, Again, it starts with why. So at the Mm. end of the day, actually, it's funny. Six years ago, in Kickstart as well, they asked us to make a mood board of our dreams. Mm. People will call it corny, but I found it so fascinating. Hey, this is a visual of what I want in life. And I don't know what the other founders did during that exercise. I put that in my wall. And again, right at the smack at the center of that is the house. So I woke I wake up every morning. Okay, do you have the house? No. Okay, do you have inheritance? Do you have money to pay the bills? No. So okay, get your ass up, work, right? Now, in terms of the ballsiness, I guess, I always have, I always ask myself, what am I going to lose if I do this, right? Because yeah. what I found out through this whole journey as well is that, you know, doubt is the killer of the of all of most dreams, right? Doubt mm. kills dreams more than anything. It's not competition. It's your <laughs> self-doubt. And I always ask, okay, if I do this, what am I going to lose? Yes, probably time. But in retrospect, as I lose time, I gain experience. Right. Yeah. So when I lost Party File, the, the biggest thing that I wanted to really do is like, okay, I want to give it a shot again to try to get as close, as near to, to achieving the house, per se. Now, in terms of mindset too, I always try to apply the blue ocean strategy, which is, you know, do something that not a lot of people are doing. Because if you apply the red ocean strategy or, you know, say, for example, the ube cheese pandesal, again, not, nothing wrong. I love it. Okay, I <laughs> I'm, I'm we're glad fans. so many we're people fans of are Uber doing that. Correct. <laughs> but you know, if there's 500 people doing that, why do you want to be the 500 first, right? So look for problems that are nobody or very or only a very few people are doing, and then. For me, I, the, I guess the caveat is I need to be passionate about it. I need I need yeah. to enjoy it. So back then, I enjoyed partying. So again, party file. Chatbots, I love selling. I'm one of the few weird dudes. I, I, I just didn't realize how many people loathe selling. I love selling, right? Uh, and then here, obviously, it's, a nat- it's in my natural state. I mean, talking, I do it for free anyway. The only thing I got is a mic. So podcasting was a natural uh, thing for me to do. Yeah. I like what you said. Blue Ocean Strategy is actually one of my favorite books as well. And it 
it's really just about creating your own market and and finding an innovative way that people are already doing things. So for yeah. example, if you're creating ubi cheese pastel, try to make one that's keto or yeah. something, right? Or make it with a better kind of cheese, but but make your own market. And I feel like that's one idea that a lot of entrepreneurs really need to have, which is to look at the current market that you have and not see everyone as a competition, but kind of to create your own little ocean where you can thrive. And I think that's where your mindset of abundance is also coming from. And with regards to the dream board or the mood board, I had that growing oh, up. Wow! Like I was 19 and I already had a mood board. And I think that also changed everything because, you know, some people would say that it's declaring it to the universe, right? right? right. If you're a universalist or whatever, that's what you think about it. But but I think more than anything, it's the psychology of always reminding yourself why you're doing what you're doing and why you should keep doing it even if you don't feel like it. Because right. let's be honest, you must have had days when you were like, parang okay na si mama magrenta na lang kami or something. <laughs> diba? Correct. You must have had days where it was so difficult wherever you are in the season of your life where the business wasn't thriving or you were having really a difficult time of putting all of these things together. But, you know, we actually asked our listeners and our Adulting with Joy Spring family if they had any questions for you. And a lot of it is entrepreneurship, but we also had a great amount of questions about podcasting. So we'll go to that in just a short while. If you had one thing that I guess you you would have told yourself, or what are the tools that you think young entrepreneurs, especially people in their 20s, what are the things that you need to have, skill sets that you think they need to really hone for them to be able to succeed in entrepreneurship? For you, I noticed that it's being a salesman and a great communicator. Are those two things really important for entrepreneurs to have? I mean, technically, if you are the the zero to one founder, when I say zero to one, you're the, the, the guy that started it all. Mm. Unfortunately, yes, you need to learn how to sell, <laughs> right? Because at the end of the day, you're, you're always selling not just for clients, you're also selling the vision or especially when you're recruiting your first employees, mm. you want to have the ability to attract the right talent, right? Yeah. Now, in terms of equipping yourself with the right skills, there's nothing bad about working for a company. You're not mm. ready, right? But the way I did my, my jobs before is I go to a company thinking about the skill that I can learn because I always use that the quote that you when you're young, work to learn, not to earn. You know, you have to invest in yourself first, right? Mm. And once you've invested enough skills, so for example, I joined a company to learn how to speak English, like this. So I mastered that. Great. Tick it off the list. Then I joined Groupon to learn how to do selling and closing. Boom. I learned it. Then I applied it into my own. And then also what's important is one thing I can advise for, for those young adulting uh, people here. <laughs> Work for a small company and then ask who your boss will be. Because your boss, your first mentor, will shape where you're going to be at. If you end up following the wrong boss, you're going to be a, there's going to be a lot of bad habits that are going to be passed down to you as well. In a small company, you get to define your job description because you have to step up, right? That's the norm. Whereas, you know, if you just go through the motions inadvertently, you'll be getting a lot of bad habits too that got passed down from generation to generation to generation. That's what. Then when you're ready, take the leap. There's no such time as a better thing. But again, the method also, the tools, I use the lean startup methodology. And then um, instead of creating a business plan, I create a business model canvas. So Mm. that's basically putting into one sheet of paper what your business would be. 
and then not falling in love with it, you also want to validate each and every segment that you put there. So just check it out. It's in LeanStack. I think LeanStack.com. There's a tutorial there too. So I used that many moons ago when I started out. Where did you learn how to be this curious about learning? Because I feel like that's not something that you are just born into. It's something that you acquire, probably through school or through the people that you know. But but this kind of serial learning that you're doing, which is looking at websites and working so that you learn, where'd you acquire this? Uh, I've always been stuck in front of a computer. Uh, so before I, <laughs> MIRC was the thing, YM, whatever. And then mm-hmm. when, when I saw that glimpse, oh, okay, I can study this. I just Googled my way to it. Again, yeah. Nobody will teach you this. It has to be innate. You need to be hungry for learning. And don't expect someone to, to hand it out in a silver platter. The beauty about now is that compared to like 8, 10 years ago, there's so much content and so much use case that literally you can just copy their path because it's without proven rather than just a theory that you can just uh, like at least immerse yourself in. Yeah. I think it's we're, we're kind of the same in that way. I remember being a young girl and my, my, my dad is obsessed with the internet. And so when it was pretty new like 10 years ago, he would sit me in front of a computer and really tell me that these are the things that you should be doing, you know? I remember that he would go to Green Hills and buy oh, me all wow. these um, mga CDs, you know, that you yeah. would install because the internet wasn't so popular then. Correct. So we would try to study and learn through CDs. And when the internet became something that you had in the palm of your hands or in every household, I just saw the opportunity of, as what you said, learning and gaining everything that you would never have unless you traveled and met other people just through searching on Google. And even now, it's something that I would always do when we're watching Shark Tank or or something. I would always just Google it. Like, or what is happening here? Is that the proper pronunciation of things? I think this constant learning, as you mentioned, is a hunger that every person should have, not just entrepreneurs. Um, But I love that all of your startups and your businesses are related to digital. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really not just a goldmine as most entrepreneurs and business people would call it, but more of it's it's a huge opportunity to really make the world a smaller and more substantial place. And I think that's what you're doing with Hustle Share and with Podcast Network Asia. So can you tell us more about that and how that started? So Podcast Network Asia was an offshoot of, again, me trying to pay it forward with Hustle Share. I started out, like again, with the intention of paying it forward to the startup community. And then when I was doing Hustle Share, I suddenly saw a whole different frontier, like, okay, so who else is doing this podcasting here in the Philippines? When I started Hustle Share, I was very deliberate. First off, I'm not going to do this for free. I needed to monetize this fast because I don't ever want to come to a point where when, when life gets hard, the first thing you throw out of the window is the thing that doesn't make money. Mm. Right, it has to be worth my time. So I said, luckily after ten apps, again, which is basically a, a small fraction, like two hundred listeners per episode, whatever, a brand jumped in, and I said, okay, so I applied the closing mechanism. I know the perceived value, blah blah blah. Closed it, and then I started looking around. All right, who else is doing it? Oh, there's this girl, Joy Springs, always up top and all that. Uh, Joy, uh, Jim and Sab, Boiling Waters. You know, Mo mm-hmm. Twister has been there forever and all that. But one thing I realized, Joyce, was uh, out of the top 200 podcasts in the Philippines, only 15 to 20% was Filipino paintings. 
was like, how come? Yep. So much consumption, there's so much foreign content, but not enough Filipino content. And then when I listened, when I listened to your show, to Mo's show, the production value varied so much. Some sounded like they're in the bathroom, some sounded like whatever. So it's like, man, this is a problem, right? So I started reaching out to friends like the eavesdrop, blah, blah, blah. I said, hey, uh, I'll create a company to help pay it forward to the community as well. Solving those mm-hmm. problems, monetization, uh, the production value, and then lastly, the analytics. It's so hard to look at it from multiple platforms because there's Spotify and all these Apple podcasts. There's so many things to look at and you have to manually get them one by one, which is a mess. Mm-hmm. I said, why don't we create a company that helps podcasters scale up and raise up without stepping into what they're already doing. So we never mess with content. What we do is mm-hmm. that, okay, if your podcast has a, some certain traction, then mm-hmm. let's partner up. It's your show. We don't get divs on it. And then once we monetize, we do rev share. And then the rest, we provide everything. Already. Or production all the way to the end. What do you think makes podcasting so special other than the different platforms? Because I feel like the number one mistake that most people who would try to create their own podcasts is that they would make it as if they were creating a YouTube video mm. and just taking the audio out of it. it. But for you personally, what do you think is that? The main difference is the intent of the audience. The main intent of a podcast listener is not to be entertained. It's to learn. And it will show in the numbers. If you look at the Philippine, at least in here in the Philippine market, the average podcast uh, range listener is around 23 to around 34. So there's, uh, and mostly it's around the median age of 28, 29. So you're already nearing that tito tita stage, right? If you're <laughs> you're at that stage, you, you, you'll be like us, okay? So, so <laughs> on the way, na right, and you'll start buying plants and all that. So, <laughs> so um, that's that at that age, you're no longer just looking for the the content that just makes you you know entertained and makes you, make you pass. You're already doing that. So big mistake is that you're not just gonna try to replicate what you already see on YouTube. I mean, YouTube mm-hmm. does its job perfectly, amazing. But you need to educate. And of course, be entertaining as well, right? But that's a second factor. So when you're creating a podcast, make sure it adds value to the intellect of the listener. Yeah, that's the main difference. And when I was, uh, I actually attended a podcasting masterclass online in the States. And that's the main thing that they talked about as well. It's that you don't know that this is not just content is king. It's audience and content. They're the kings and the queens. It can't just be one way because your podcast can actually be as entertaining as possible, but if your audience isn't getting anything away from it, it won't really sell or it won't really get the numbers that you need. Do you think, though, that anybody could be a podcaster? Because I feel like with social media platforms, a lot of people think that, I can create content and I can create any kind of content. But a lot of people now would message me and ask me, how do I start my own podcast? Do you think that podcasting is for everybody? Yeah, now is the golden age of podcasting because of two Mm -hmm. factors. First one is because of mobile consumption. Podcasting has been around since 2004. And the reason why it's called podcast is because it was supposed to be built for iPods. Uh, So pod pod from iPod and casting, which is broadcast. You have to download the audio file, put it in your little machine, and then you jog around the neighborhood. But now everything's mobile, right? And Mm -hmm. platforms like Spotify. Spotify was the biggest game changer because aside from music, now you can also hear the 
same audio content where you don't have to download anything, another app just to consume it, right? Yeah. And then in terms of creation, there's now free tools like Anchor, right? You can literally just go there and record without even having audio uh, thing, but be deliberate about it. You can't just create a podcast just for the sake of. Again, uh, there's a lot of uh, tools that you can use online, so just Google it. My personal favorite is Pat Flynn. Uh, very, very hip- helpful. That's how I learned as well. Uh, just consuming his videos and whatnot. And then also investing into the right equipment because we always say this and especially for those ones who went to voice acting or a bit of production background, garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> if you had a bad recording, no matter how much you edit that out, it will sound like you're in a tin can. Yeah, that's right. A couple of things that I think a lot of people will really find helpful is really education, as you mentioned, you know, finding the tools online that you could use and the techie part of it, which is you need to find the right programs and the right equipment to use and also content content that's substantial and could be helpful for the future one of the things we would always talk about here on adulting with joy spring is making sure that whatever your why is is rooted into something that's bigger than yourself because if you just want to create a podcast so that you'll be popular or you'll be called a podcaster it'll never work right exactly because you're talking to a different set of audience, right? And yeah. also, this is long form. This, yeah. this content, <laughs> you, you can't take this. You can't just, oh, yeah, well, so what am I going to do? You can't get away with that. There has to be some solid intellect you're going to go through this. Because especially if you're attacking it from whatever niche you're coming in from, there needs to be a level of expertise you have on that topic. Because you will run out of things to say. Yeah. So you will hit a wall and you're like, oh God, what am I going to do? Exactly. And you know, one of the things that people would always tell me is, I have no idea how you could talk for 30 minutes straight and not run out of things to say. And it's yeah. because I fill my tank up. And that's one of the things that any podcaster should think about, which is, how do I fill my tank up with information that would actually be helpful, not just for myself, but also for the people who will be listening to me? And yeah. it really, I think, do you agree that? podcasting basically it topples down the idea of content creation from a perspective of just monetizing it because with podcasting you think about other people first like what do how do i add value to my listeners before you even think about yourself right Mm -hmm. that's correct again it's educational in nature Mm. and then again let's not be i'm not gonna lie there's also an opportunity for massive monetization yeah but at the end of the day you need to work on your numbers first before we even talk money right because Mm -hmm. if you don't connect an audience and especially in podcasting it's very habit forming that once you hook someone you're gonna be part of that weekly routine that they do you know we're going to work going to the gym going for wherever and now it's also weird because during the pandemic there was a big shift on how people consume podcasts before it's purely mobile now there's around a 56% jump into desktop listenership listening to those bluetooth speakers while people are doing chores or whatever at home and the numbers say it all Uh, uh, since the pandemic happened, the lockdown happened, podcast consumption has doubled ever since. And you'll, prob- you'll probably agree when you say, oh my God, my number is just ballooned. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was actually surprised because, you know, I would always get the I'm driving to work and I'm right. listening to your podcast. I'm doing my work and I'm listening to your podcast. And now it's the I'm going to the shower and I'm listening to your podcast. Right. I'm washing the dishes and I'm listening to your podcast. And I think that's the number one thing. It's mobile content that people could really take wherever they go, whatever they're doing. So that's what makes it really, really special. I want to know what are the podcasts that you're currently listening to? Because I feel like people like you who love podcasting, who mm-hmm. love the platform, Platform have a lot of shows that right. people would be loving as well. So what are your top shows right now? 
So it depends on the day. Ooh, my schedule. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the start of the week, I usually consume business podcasts. So, uh, my my biggest show that I listened to in also was the Pegbert Hustle Share was Entree Leadership. So it talked about entrepreneurship and leadership combined. Like, wow, just solid, solid game. And then I also listened to This Week in Startups, which is foreign content. And then after that, uh, once I hit Wednesday, which is Hump Day, I start listening to funnier shows because my brain is fried already. I just need to loosen up. So that's where I listen to the network's content at least. So I listen to Cool Pass, Bedazzers, and all that. So that's where I look at what everybody else is doing. So again, adulting with Joy Spring and, and all that. Uh, wow. So th- I'm a big fan. <laughs> I'm actually going to tell you, a Paco Magsaysay, I got to know him because of your episode with him. Oh, really? Yeah. Yay. Okay. I love Carmen's best. Yes. yes. <laughs> Paco. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so yeah, um, it's amazing. And then lately, again, it, it diversifies. But usually that's a trend. Business at the Monday to Wednesday and Thursday onwards, it becomes comedy. Uh, I, I always learn lean towards comedy. I need a good laugh at the end of the, of the week. Mm. I think it also depends on what you're doing, right? right? Because there are certain podcasts that you really need to sit down and listen to and pay attention to. And then there are podcasts that you could keep in the background and kind of get bits and pieces that would entertain you in between. But I feel like a lot of people now are really, really excited to create their own podcasts. And if there's anything that you would give as an advice to aspiring podcasters out there, what would it be? Practice first. Before you even release (laughs) that thing, uh, you have to be comfortable behind the mic. Which takes forever. I still get goosebumps and I, I still have sweaty palms till now because uh, you need to learn. And at the end of the day, um, you, n- you need to learn how to modulate your voice. You have to sound good because no matter how, how much of an expert you are in that field, if people cannot tolerate listening to you, mm. it will not fly, unfortunately. So I'm not saying you should sound like a Joyce Spring or an Aaron Ataide or whatever because these are pros by default, right? But at least you need to be able to enunciate, have your proper diction, you know, you have to have the right pace, you know, the, the cadence mm. that you have and yeah. all that. Because that's what makes a good show. And in a podcast, it's very host-driven, right? Post-production can only be so much. Again, garbage in, garbage out, right? So <laughs> make sure that that second is you have to make sure that your the, the peg or the concept is solid, right? Here's what I've been seeing also. There's a lot of people who try to replicate a show because it's the in thing. So yeah. there's a lot of joy spraying copycats. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. But be original. Again, apply the blue ocean strategy in podcasting. Talk about something that nobody else is talking about and also the metric there shouldn't be I need to get joy spring numbers because it's not it depends on your category that you attack right yeah um, not all categories are created equal unfortunately so there's the true crime okay good luck competing with the serials and all that right? <laughs> and then there's the religion power the kitty things but at the end of the day define that metric that metric is always impact mm-hmm. on how many people uh, you actually touch and for me what I always use is I learned this from Tim Ferriss I only want to hit 1,000 true fans 1,000 true people and I'm making an impact and I'm, I'm contributing to the world already I'm helping them make the world a better I love Tim Ferriss and I love that he said that 
also. Yeah. That actually made me really, really grateful for the people that follow me because, you know, being in show business and being a, a person in TV, one of the things that I would constantly be insecure of is I never had these millions of followers online. And I would always tell myself, obviously, I would always tell myself just one person that you influence is one soul already and that's important. But you could keep telling yourself that, but if you don't have it affirmed by somebody else who's important oh, yeah. for you, it won't be real. And so when Tim Ferriss said that, I really appreciated that. And I think that's that's an amazing thing to say for aspiring podcasters. You don't think about the numbers first or you don't really aim for big numbers. You aim for substantial and important numbers that you'll be able to appreciate in the long while. Where do you see Hustle Share and I guess the entire podcasting industry in the Philippines going in the future? Okay, so I we did a number. Um, and uh, this is again we one thing we've learned by looking at. So I'm I'm obsessed with data always, always because data numbers gives you, guy <laughs> yeah um, gives you the the right direction without the bias of you know your tendencies and whatnot. In the U.S., Southeast Asia combined is technically five times smaller than the whole U.S. combined. So there's so much more. In order for a, a country to thrive, there needs to be around seven to eight thousand monthly active podcasts. In the world, there's around one million, but only 200,000 are actively uploading, right? And I don't know if you know this, the Philippines is the sixth largest growing podcast market in the world. Number one in Asia. Wow. So there's a lot of upside and there's still a big void in content. But please make sure it's not the same content as, you know, what's already out there, right? You can't get away with, oh, the blah, blah, blah challenge and blah, blah, blah. This, that's not for this medium. Again, you want to educate. What are you going to teach people out there? Not, not. In terms of Hustle Share, I'm nearing now my 100th episode and I'm having a hard time trying to get the aspirational guests I'm trying to get. But I just want to be able to pay it for it. Like what I said, this, it's therapy for me. Up till now, I'm still the one editing my show. Everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the only show in the network that I'm still working on. <laughs> it's like, why am I? Why do I even have a network? Like, I so much here. Like, why do I have producers here? But no, it's therapy because it's my way of also improving as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I get first dibs on learnings that I get to share with the whole universe. That's awesome, Ron. You know, it's been such a pleasure talking to you and chatting with you about entrepreneurship and, of course, podcasting. But I wanted to ask something personal before we end the episode. What have you been learning throughout everything that's happening in the world right now? How have you been personally adapting? Hmm. So for me, at the end, uh, the biggest learning that I, I've learned is that compassion is something that not a lot. Apparently, it got exposed how uncompassionate most people are here in the world. Now. Like yeah. it, it, it's it's scary. It's scary because this is what we what the world has been sweeping under the rug for the longest yeah. time, and now it's exposed, right? And for us, I guess our gift to the universe is that providing quality content that's not divisive, that's more inclusive, and I hope that what we do, what you guys do in Adulting with Joyce, great, great content, big fan, is to give that sense of hope again, right? We need to be deliberate about being kind to each other and being compassionate and being inclusive. Because right now, everything is red and blue, black or white, you know? Yeah. Totally polarized spectrum. But the pandemic is also a way to reconnect to our roots and find the, the, the beauty over what we really stand for. And mm-hmm. if you have a chance, choose to be kind. Right and and don't be selfish about it. Resonate that to whatever medium you are. Again, the best way for us. Very biased of me <laughs> with raw podcast. <laughs> 
best way for us because we're into communications and ideas yes. and thinking. So I think it really depends on you. But Ron, I have to say, you know, I'm a huge fan of the way that you are doing your business and creating your show. I love the grittiness that you have, the purposeful entrepreneurship that you so put out there, being honest about even in hustle share being honest about the failures and not just the successes of the entrepreneurs and the people that you interview and i hope that you got that house already for your mom yeah uh, i got it after i sold chatbot beach uh, that was the most beautiful day of my life and it felt like pursuit of happiness when he got the job yeah yeah, yeah was, and he just broke down crying out of yep, happiness and I my mom really tight like we got it mom we got it mm-hmm. and i feel like a lot of young people need that kind of purposefulness in their lives and thank you for creating hustle share and podcast network asia that inspires other people to create substantial content as well and thanks for being on the show well, thank you my god this is like i'm so <laughs> i'm still i have sweaty palms right now <laughs> I'm talking to Joyce Ray. <laughs> Thank you so much. Awesome. I'm a big fan. I owe you one. And whatever you need, <laughs> tell me. I got you. Thank you, Rob. Why don't you invite everyone to listen to Hustle Share and, of course, also check out Podcast Network Asia. Okay. Again, this is the golden age of podcasting. It's been around, but this is the uptick. So check out the Filipino shows here. There's around 50 shows now in the network. So check it out on podcastnetwork.asia. And if you want to learn about hustling and the entrepreneurship and the stories of how Filipino startups got to where they are and how they messed up and bailed and how they bounced back, uh, check out the podcast called Hustle Share. Check out the website at hustleshare.com. Again, thank you so much. Why did I? It sounded like I did my outro. <laughs> that wasn't my outro. That's it. That's that's the outro that we're doing. Thank you once again to Ron Beitiong for being here on Adulting with Joy Spring. That's it for this episode. Thank you for tuning in, you guys. Paalam! That's it for this episode of Adulting with Joy Spring. If you liked this podcast, please don't forget to use the hashtag Adulting with Joy Spring and also check out www.joyspring.com for the show notes and tag me on social media with you know it at Joy Spring. I'll talk to you guys again soon. Paalam!